Okay, guys, this is our last week in the generosity booklet. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As I was saying, this is our last week, and I had asked you both to come up with a list of things that we could get rid of to declutter and simplify our lives. You know, things that we don't need or want. Like that cranberry chicken goulash you made last night? Nobody wants that. Bazinga, am I right? No? <laughs> anyway. Uh, wait, I, I think that's a great idea, Mom. Brown noser. <laughs> Thank you, son. That's so kind of you. Okay, so I have a list. I was thinking that maybe... We don't need an HD DVR in every room of the house. What? Are you mad, woman? It's just, it costs us $123 every month. And really, honey, how many TVs can you watch at one time? It's called efficiency, all right? Look into it, okay? Look, <laughs> I want to be able to pause the game in the living room and then walk into the bedroom and just pick up right where I left off. I don't want to have to waste a bunch of time fast-forwarding through the stupid thing to figure out where I was at. That's ridiculous. I don't want to live like a barbarian. The DVRs stay. <laughs> okay. Well, what about getting rid of that drum kit that's in the basement you never played? Man, you are a dream killer, aren't you? You know all I've ever wanted to be was a rock star, all right? All I've ever wanted to do is make beautiful music for you and the boy. On the drums? Yes, on the drums. <laughs> Look, okay, do you have any idea how many women would, women would love to have their husbands serenade them? Take me down to the paradise, say hi to the grass, girls are pretty! Fine, please stop! You can keep the drums if you just stop. You, well, thank you, and you, you will thank me later on when I become a famous rock star. Yeah! <laughs> uh, okay, that was weird. Anyway. I, can I, can I go? I have an idea. I would love to hear what you think we could do to simplify our lives. Well, maybe we can get rid of some of Dad's exercise equipment. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, Skippy. <laughs> as long as you don't mind not cretting into bed every night with this body here. <laughs> I mean, this stuff just doesn't happen on its own. <laughs> you haven't even touched most of that equipment in years. That's because I'm in peak physical condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the time's going to come. <laughs> the, the time is going to get here where I'm going to need that equipment. I've seen what happens when you get older. Look at Bob Fugler. Okay, so you have shot down every single one of our ideas. What do you suggest we get rid of to simplify our I'm lives? I'm very glad you asked. How about those three racks of size four clothes you got down in the basement? How long's it been since you've been a size four? I, I think I uh, hear the, um, I'm gonna go. I'm still holding on to some baby weight, okay? You're a jerk. Honey, don't get upset. Look, you can use my workout equipment to get rid of those last pesky pounds. I'll be your trainer. This is why I didn't want to do this. I knew you'd get moody. I could just sit at the table, Chris. <laughs> hey, give our drama team another hand, would you please? Thank you for getting up this morning and 
Thanks, Chris. This seems to be a, an appropriate time to let everyone know that uh, we offer family counseling at... Um, <laughs> well, good morning. How are you all this morning? Yeah, um, anybody else a little tired this morning? Is there, is there a, a tiredness in the morning? I know, uh, uh, and you should know too, we just came back uh, from uh, our staff retreat. And uh, so um, I'm a little worn out, but um, never more encouraged and excited. Um, it, it's a fantastic time that we have. Uh, some good people donate a place that we can stay. Um, we don't have to uh, spend any money on entertainment because Ryan Long is with us. <laughs> i tell you, what you see up here in the morning with Ryan Long, uh, that's Ryan Long uh, all the time. Um, but um, gosh, we had a great time. And I just, um, two huge takeaways um, for me. Um, one is, uh, my brothers and sisters, we have an exceptional staff. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, give them a hand. And the second thing that just blew me away again this weekend is there isn't a single person on staff uh, who's here because it's their job. Um, every single one of them are here in a living sacrifice. You want to talk about a spirit of giving um, in this series. Um, every one of them are here because they love you. And they love you deeply and sincerely. And it was just great to be around that um, this weekend. So um, maybe we need to be reminded. I know I need to be reminded um, when you run into our staff, any one of them or their families, include them in there because they're giving too. Um, words of encouragement and appreciation go a long way. So can you remember um, when you see any of our staff to just say, you know what, um, um, thanks. And uh, the only reason I'm saying this is because Pastor Todd made me. No, don't say that. Um, if it is sincere, and I know it is, uh, I know you guys are thankful and the staff is so appreciative of how supportive you are. Um, so I'm not saying it because I feel there's a need there. But it's good to express our appreciation sometime for those uh, who are serving so hard. Amen? Um, speaking of generosity, as you know, the last few weeks uh, now we've been looking at uh, how we can continue to develop and uh, to deepen a, a spirit of giving. Because as followers of the ultimate giver, uh, Jesus, we too, in our turn, just like Jesus did, want to be able to just eagerly give all we are and all we have in testimony to the God who is the ultimate giver, the giver of life, the giver of everything, the giver of himself. Amen? And... While it's certainly true, those of you who have experienced it, when we make that first decision for Jesus, when we ask him into our life and we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, there is supernatural transformation that uh, can't really be described. It can only be experienced. But even so, at the same time that's going on or as that continues to go on in our life, our God isn't one that will force us anywhere. And he still, nevertheless, even though that transformation, you can almost look at the transformation that happens as, wow, and now I'm being transformed in a way that there are no longer any barriers for me to respond to and accept God's grace. 
And that's kind of one way to look at the both and of, uh, uh, of predestination and, and God's grace and God's supernatural transformation. And yet, the very real role of our response, God will still continue to wait for us to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. And including, in many ways, first and foremost, this yes to accept a life that is full of giving and eagerly giving of ourselves and all we have. And so we've been uh, on this journey of generosity, or at least taking a look at this journey that uh, we're on, if you're like me, our, our, our whole lives. And we've made several steps along the way. Uh, you can see the steps that we've talked about so far on the screen this morning. Uh, next week, we'll have the author of that little booklet um, that uh, most of you, I think, hopefully have been working through. Dr. Brian Kluth will be here um, I think you'll love Brian. He has um, a wealth of personal experience in how this generosity, uh, journey to generosity has worked in his life. I can't wait to be here with you and hear what he has to say. But this morning, I want to add uh, one more step that's important if we're to be um, active participants in responding to God's grace in order to have the spirit of giving. And that's the step that I'm simply calling uh, simplify, as in simplify your life. Simplify your life in order to become more generous. Let me introduce it uh, this way. Once upon a time, there was a rich young ruler, and he came up to Jesus with a question. Mark tells it this way. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to Jesus' humility and his life of testimony in Jesus' response. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, Jesus continues. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Let me pause there. Isn't it fascinating, the commandments that Jesus goes to here? Where might you expect him to begin with the commandments? Yeah, the ones that have to do with, right? There's no other God before me, no idols. The ones that have to do with our relationship to God, yes? But which ones does he go to? In answering the question, what must we do to inherit eternal life, experience even now what the kingdom of God is like, where does he go immediately? He goes to those commandments that deal with how it is that we relate to each other. And sure, we need to love God. Those commandments still stand. But once again, we see in the text where how it is, first and foremost, that we're to love the Lord isn't how we love each other. Teacher, the man 
declared back to Jesus. All these commandments I have kept since I was a boy. And this next line, one of my favorite in all of Scripture, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around in context to their work crowds. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler had a problem, and Jesus knew it. And while the man loved God and was showing his love of God by keeping the commandments and obedience to God, there was something yet in the way, and he knew it, being a follower of God. He knew it. He could sense it. And finally, the great rabbi came, and he could finally ask, what? I've been keeping all of these commandments. Something's missing. What do I need to do? What, what, what do I need to do to truly experience the kingdom of God? And out of his love, for this man. Jesus tells him what he needed to hear most. You need to get rid of your stuff. You need to give your stuff away to more fully experience the kingdom of God, to inherit eternal life. Can you relate at all to the rich young ruler? I know I can. Do you ever feel like all the stuff in your life becomes a barrier to following God? One reason it can feel like a barrier to me sometimes is the more stuff that I have, the more responsibility I have for it. <laughs> I've kidded with you before about a fish pond we have in the back. As I've tried to simplify my life. That fish pond no longer has fish in it. <laughs> Nor does it have any plant that grows. But the more things that we have, the more responsibility we have for it. It takes time to to manage our stuff. And so when we get rid of it, we find ourselves with more time. And not, as our culture suggests, more time to get more stuff, more time to love God and others, more time to give when we simplify our lives by getting rid of some of our stuff. 
Often um, I get the question, and when I read online and do some research, I hear uh, uh, lots of people asking pastors in many different churches the following question, and I've asked the question before, and I catch myself thinking it too. Maybe you do as well. And the question I often get is, how much should I give? 10%? Because they know a little about the, and that, that tithe thing. Should I give 10%? How much should I give? And whenever I feel that question coming up in my own life as I consider my giving of all I am and all I have, or whenever I hear that question, I, I often respond even to myself or to those asking with the following question. Answer that question with a question. I try to be like Jesus as best I can. He does that all the time. Have you noticed? And so when I get the question or I feel the question, well, how much should I give something has started to click in my mind. You know what? Maybe the question should be, how much do I need? And then give the rest away. It seems to me that's a better question to be asking ourselves. How much do I need? See, our culture confuses us on this point greatly. Our culture preaches that the question, how much do I need, is the same question as how much can I afford? Or how much do I want? Or how much can I have? Our culture treats those questions the same. How much do I need is the same in our culture. How much can I afford? And those are two different questions. One illustration that came to mind, many of you know the story, many of you have lived the story, or you will live it soon. A young couple goes to, into a, a lender for a mortgage, and they're going to buy their first house, and there are dozens of forms to fill out, and Dozens of pieces of information that the lender wants when you apply for a loan. And, and most of that information a lender wants has to do with how much can you afford? And after all of that, the lender crunches the numbers and the, uh, the young couple with anxious ears hears, you qualify for a loan of $250,000. And our culture teaches that young couple to hear that that necessarily means that's the house you need. That, plus whatever else you could bring to the table from savings or other, add those together, and that becomes the house that you need. Really? Who says? Isn't it telling that... Among all those lender forms, there's not a form, to my experience, that asks a couple, there's not a form that has on the top of the form, how much house do you need? Because we're taught what we need is what we can afford. I read a study where they, where they picked um, a pulled particularly wealthy people, and they asked these folks, um, how much is enough? 
And one of the people summed up the results of the study overall when he answered this way, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. And our culture pushes us there. Lost in that push of what can we afford and getting whatever we can afford is is this bit of truth summed up well, I think, from author Randy Alcorn, who notes this. Sometimes, and there isn't a more countercultural statement than this one when it comes to this topic. Sometimes God increases our income not to increase our standard of living. Sometimes God increases our income not to increase our standard of living, but to increase our standard of giving. When we simplify our lives, we end up with more time to serve God and others. We can also keep in check that temptation that's always there to submit to the very powerful idol of stuff. Researchers tell us that's one reason why we pursue lots of stuff. It gives us comfort and security. And it builds a sense of of not only worth, but of self-worth, but Oh, be careful. When I start taking comfort and security from what God has given me, when I start taking comfort and security from the gift rather than from the giver, I can so easily start relying on those things rather than on God. And the stuff that I'm buried under can be uh, insulation from uh, my own being knowing just how desperate, desperately it is. I need the Lord on a daily basis for every need. The huge danger of riches and wealth. The huge reason why Jesus turns to his disciples and says, man, it's really hard for the rich to, to, to get there. One of the huge dangers is, is they lose track of, we lose track of just how desperately we need them when so much of our stuff seemingly or practically meets our needs on a daily basis. The new iPhone is out. You all know this, right? Isn't it fascinating that we all know that the iPhone 5 is out? And the marketers push and they tell us, you know, if I could just have that iPhone 5, then life would be worth living. (laughs) It's another trick of our culture, convincing us we got to have that. I need to have the latest and the newest because I'm missing out. <laughs> I want to show you a clip that Ryan Logg shared uh, with me from Jimmy Kimmel Live. Apparently that's his favorite show. I don't know. <laughs> Not really, right, Ryan? <laughs> it, it made me laugh. And uh, not only at the people in the video, but... It had the extra value of making me laugh at myself. And I'll tell you what, 
When you're in an area that you want to change, if somehow, someway, through God's grace or friends or community, you can get laughing at yourself there, boy, it's a great push to really want to change something. And this one made me laugh. I think uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel sets it up in the well in the video, but he goes rather quickly, so it might help to hear the setup twice. Uh, in, in the video, people who, are, who have the iPhone 4 or 4S or whatever the current latest is before the iPhone 5, the people who have the iPhone 4, we'll call it, and so they know the iPhone 4 very well, they are given what they think is an iPhone 5. And they're asked to check it out and tell us, hey, what's better about this iPhone 5 than this iPhone 4 that you know? But here's the catch. They haven't been given an iPhone 5. They've been given the same exact phone as the iPhone 4. With some funny and telling results, I think. Let's watch. It's almost as if the new iPhone somehow ruins the old iPhone, but it doesn't. It's, it's all in your head. In fact, we set a camera out on the street today, and we told people outside to check out the new iPhone 5, which is unavailable so far. So in reality, they were, what they were looking at is the current iPhone 4S that everyone has. And, well, here's how that experiment played out. The new iPhone 5 just came out today. We want to know if you'll take a look at it. Tell us how it compares to the last iPhone. I'd love to. Oh, it's way better. Yeah, it's nice. That's definitely noticeably better. It's a little, a little thinner. Looks like the screen's a little bigger. Seems a little bit faster. Yeah. Faster, lighter. Feels uh, heavier. Feels heavier? I think so. A lot lighter than the last one. It's a lot faster as well. Mine's going to take forever. So this one's faster? Yeah, definitely faster. Right on. Oh, it looks very nice. Very nice, very updated. Oh my God, it feels a lot lighter and just more, um, just a lot more higher quality. And it's got, um, if you drop it, it looks like it's not gonna break. Like this one has a million times. The screen is clear, HD. Colors are brighter. Oh, it has a video front and back? Mm -hmm. Video front and back, that's cool. This doesn't have that. So you like it better than the last one? Yeah, I have the 4S. Yeah? Yeah. I'm always open for a new phone. <laughs> well, it's the, uh, the emperor's new phone. Oh my goodness. Is that telling or what? The other question I have, was that Hulk Hogan? <laughs> Those of you who know he, who he is, I... The one guy had the same phone in the other hand. This apple is better than this apple. Pun intended, you know, apples or It's the same phone. Gotta have the newest and the greatest because you need it, because you need it. It's better, it's better. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Of course we do. Do we really? Have we lost the ability to seriously self-analyze and look and ask, do I need this? I have an assignment for you this week, and I'm going to do it too. And my wife here is my witness, because you'll be thrilled with this, honey. I'm going to go through, um, for, uh, I'm going to ask that we do our whole house, but I'm going to go through uh, my basement and my garage. I'm going to put my hands on everything in there, and I'm going to ask myself this question, do I need this? And if I don't need it, I'm going to get rid of it either give it away or sell it or something. 
I'm going to get rid of it. That's your assignment. That's your mission if you choose to accept it this week. You know, and the studies tell us that what, what's one of the most stressful things in all the world? It's, it's, it's moving, right? Moving to a new house. But you even ask, you ask almost anyone who has gone through the moving process, and you know what the part is that they absolutely love? What's the part that's great? Yeah, you get, you get rid of half your stuff. Can we do that on a daily basis without being forced to because we want to save money on a smaller moving truck or a box? Can we get to that mindset of doing that daily and only taking what we need and giving the rest away? And it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, everybody go sell your houses and live in the small... It can also mean giving away can mean if you have been blessed with what... How are you using it? Is it just for you? Or are you sharing that space or using that somehow to testify to God's love? That's giving it away too. I know one of the things that I'm going to look at down in the basement, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see the crib that um, all three of our kids um, used when they were little. And like I think many parents, it's like, you know, we'll keep that and um, we'll pass it on to our kids one day. Now, the problem with that is, in the interim, I've learned that the crib that we have downstairs may well kill my grandchildren. <laughs> and it makes me ask the question, you know, who, who, why does someone suddenly figure that out? You know, it's just, it's, it's the ones where the side goes down. You know, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist that, you know, if that goes down when the kid's there, it could really hurt them. Okay. But there were rocket scientists back when that thing was made. So why are they coming up with that safety precaution now? Is it because they're under pressure from their employers to find a reason why they can make more money and sell new cribs? Could that be part of it? Or am I just cynical? It's a miracle. Any of us are alive today because of the cribs we slept in. <laughs> now, how about in community when we were finished with the crib, uh, after I had my vasectomy, is that too much information? <laughs> Instead of saving it for our kids, however noble that can be, what about before, the before we were all aware that it could kill someone, you know, we had found another couple in the church or so forth that was expecting and say, here, why don't you have this crib? See, can we be more giving and more with our stuff right then and, and, and be careful of that whole hoarding gene that... I need to close. I began the message with a story of a man who came running to Jesus asking, what must I do to more fully experience the kingdom of God? Something's missing. And I want to end with a story from the Bible as well that's similar but has a very different ending. And it's the story of Elijah calling Elisha to be his disciple. Here's how it goes. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, 
He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And immediately, what do we know about Elisha? He's a farmer, he's strong, but what springs from that context is this guy is insanely rich. 12, you had 24 oxes, that's like owning like the farm combine and all of that big equipment. Do you ever think of Elisha being insanely rich? And we know it belongs to him because of what he does to it. <laughs> he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, a, a, a gesture symbolic of I will, I will now protect you under my wing. Will you follow me as disciple or an early form of discipleship? Elisha then left his oxen, and I'm thinking of the song we just read, and ran after Elijah, ran after Yahweh is God. That's what Elijah means. Ran after him. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, Elisha said, and then I'll come with you. Elijah, his response is a bit cryptic. His rabbinic replies tend to be, go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? There's libraries full of books on what exactly Elijah meant. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, run after, follow me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's so simple and so impossibly hard. Impossibly hard without you. Continue to help us, Father, to grow in this eager spirit of giving. Help us to begin asking seriously questions like, what do I need? What do I need for me? And after we get there, give us an eager spirit of giving the rest to you, to others, somehow, some way, in testimony to who you are. Would you help us with that, please? Because we can't do it on our own. Father, for those who go and take inventory of things in their basement or even their schedule of time and as they're asking themselves, do I need to do this, would you be welling up in them and give them a strong sense of your presence and uh, your courage and your strength and your security and your comfort to give them the humble guts to just go ahead and do it and rely more on you? You promised, Lord, that when we test you in this in particular, that you'll come through in ways that will just make us gasp. Help us to test you in this. Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand please for the benediction? The benediction comes from a benediction of, of sorts that the Apostle Paul gave to one of his disciples, Timothy. And in closing First Timothy to young Tim, this was last on Paul's mind. Fascinating that this is what it is. And so Paul to Timothy, and now 
God through Paul through me to you. Listen to the very words of God. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves as a firm foundation treasures for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week. God bless you all.